Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. Got Perry Noble on the show today. Great guest. He's an American preacher, author, and senior pastor at New Spring Church. It's a mega church located, uh, I think, just outside of Anderson, South Carolina. I love talking to um, uh, faith-based folks, talking to pastors about leadership. You know, it is always a challenge, um, and certainly, I have certainly learned over the years that you cannot, in my opinion, you cannot escape uh, the leadership journey without some sort of spiritual element to it. If you think it's just by the book and checklists, uh, you're missing the boat, because it is all about love. At the end of the day, it's all about love, and love is what drives leadership, and love is what faith is all about. And Perry is, um, I don't know, he's a great uh, man of faith, he's authentic, he's transparent, and uh, but he's a great entrepreneur and a great pastor as well. His weekly sermons are watched by over 32,000 people in the state of South Carolina, and, uh, and he has about 75, 8,000 viewers online, on stream. Great blog. I love his stuff. And again, I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation where we talk about faith, love, leadership, and uh, it's just a kind of a great all-around conversation in that aspect. Hope you're finding some value dose of leadership. Again, same call to action. If you want to please subscribe to the show, rate and review it. I'd appreciate it. Find out more about my coaching and speaking services at richardryerson.com. And then if you want to support Dose of Leadership in its efforts, it's a free show, great access for you, great resource for you. Go to uh, patreon.com slash doseofleadership or on my homepage at doseofleadership.com. Look in the left sidebar and support us on Patreon. Your support would be greatly appreciated. Okay, Perry Noble, great conversation. He's the American preacher, author, and senior pastor at New Spring Church on Dose of Leadership. Perry, man, I'm so honored you came on Dose of Leadership. Welcome to the show, my friend. It's great to be with you, man. Man, I love the work you're doing down there in, in the Carolina, South Carolina. What? To, how did you get started being a pastor? Well, it, it was um, it was kind of funny. I, I I had my conversion experience, got saved, received Christ, whatever tag or label you want to put on that, in 1990, and started working in a church uh, within the next year. And um, I don't know, man, I, just over time, I, I realized I, I love Jesus. I just wasn't crazy about his church. Um, <laughs> yeah. and, and, I, and I had some good experiences and bad experiences, but I began to notice that a lot of people that I knew that were really great people, they just weren't interested in church. And so long story short, I got uh, about 15 people in a living room and we just started talking about what could be and what should be and what if we started a church and um, we just did things a little differently, um, not compromising the message, not um, watering anything down. We just wanted to do church um, differently. And uh, here we are 16 years later going, oh, my gosh, this is way more than we imagined. I love it when people kind of tap into and we've all had our bad experiences. Those that have gone to church had those bad experiences and they probably have a lot of similar themes. What do you think is different about what you're doing? Is it is it the concentration just on the relationship with God as opposed to religion, per se? I think there's a lot of things. Um, First of all, you you don't have to believe what we believed in order to show up here. Um, So we've got uh, I was joking about it this this past weekend. We've got Republicans, 
Democrats, libertarians, vegetarians, um, <laughs> all kind of, you know, it, it doesn't matter. You, you'll see um, a very wealthy, well-to-do person sitting on the same row with a person who, um, who probably struggled to pay their bills that week. I mean, it's, it's just a wide demographic. And uh, so I think that appeals to people. I think the other thing that appeals to people is um, it, it, you know, you step in, there's modern, I mean, there's video, there's audio that um, lighting sound. I mean, it's a, it's a lot like a concert, which, which I will say, some people don't like. They go, well, we love the more traditional feel. And I'm like, well, that's awesome. Um, and if that's what you're looking for, then there are some great, great, great churches and ministries with that. But we know, hey, we want to we really do ministry cutting edge. And so, um, and we're not afraid to use uh, what some people would deem a secular song. So if Hello by Adele works in a message and it fits in, we'll do it. Um, several years ago, we opened our Easter services with Highway to Hell by ACDC. Um, <laughs> It was awesome. Yeah. It, it really was. We had fire and everything. It was great. So, um, and then uh, I think, you know, the dress is pretty casual. Um, uh, I try to connect with, with what people are really struggling with. Um, most people aren't struggling with the theological issues that a lot of pastors are talking about. They're trying to figure out how do I keep my marriage together and how do I get my kids to school on time? And I got a flat tire and can I get that done during the lunch break? And how does the Bible tie into all that? So, those are just some of the things. Well, I think I know for me there I I I went to church here um I guess it was about 10 years ago. And I was attracted to a lot of things that how you kind of produce it as well. Um I've heard some people it's not for them and I I hear what you're saying. The thing that I don't like about when in terms of leadership and this is this is the experience that I've had is that when we got down to the authentic and transparent piece of leadership a lot of times, you know, even though we've got the rock band playing behind us, um, it's we still didn't or I haven't found a church or it's rare to find a church with people who are ready to deal with the raw, authentic kind of realities of leadership and life. Um, how do you what is that? How does that resonate with you when I say that? You know, does, does you know what I mean? I mean, it's like we got the, the rock band going, but hey, um, this couple's dealing with um a problem with uh, their kid or there's an affair in the family and people don't know what to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And at that point, you're right, Richard, it doesn't matter if you've got a choir and an orchestra or a rock band, if you're not equipped, if you, if as a leader, if you don't equip the people to minister to people, and that's the same in business, if you don't equip your salesman, right. To, to take care of problems. And so, for us, and this is this is slightly controversial, um, you could imagine in church world, but we've got about three hundred and seventy-eight staff members. Wow! And out of the three hundred and seventy-eight staff members, we might we might have four or five people with a seminary degree. Wow! Most of the people that I work with, I get to serve with, um, come from the marketplace background. And so, and I'm not, I'm not bashing seminary. I'm not bashing, um, you know, religious education. I'm just saying I've, I've got a lot of people that I serve with that came out of the marketplace world. And so when it comes into stepping into conversations with people that are showing up, uh, we know how to have those conversations right. and we're not using really big, huge theological words that, um, and press or confuse them. We're actually able to relate to them. Yeah, and that, that's huge for me. And I think I, I, lo- I appreciate that you're saying that because I think that's where I, th- 
I think it gets missed sometimes that it is about the relationship with God and it is it is about um loving the sinners and authenticity and transparency and vulnerability and there's great strength in that and I wish people would see more of that from both a, a spiritual sense and and like you said the leadership business sense the secular side there's so much strength in those concepts would you agree I, I do I think um I learned that several years ago I was doing a um I was in a message on the subject of pornography, which, you know, hey, there's a there's an issue that we all need to talk about. Mm-hmm. And it was real tense in the room. And at the end of the message, um, I just told everybody, I said, hey, I, I gave my life to Christ in 1990, but I didn't overcome my pornography addiction until 1999. So I struggled with it for nine years as a Christian. And so if you're here today, I'm not throwing rocks at you. I understand what you're going through. And we had so many men respond. And the reason they said they responded is they said, you were brave enough to say that you had dealt with it. And so, you know, you bring that over into a leadership circle. Um, you know, when I screw up and make a mistake, the the best thing I can do is just admit it. Hey, guys, my bad, made a mistake, going to try not to do that again. And what that does as a leader is it gives you equity with your people. I mean, it's not brand new information. It's not like, oh my gosh, we were so surprised that you made a mistake. It's you're admitting it and you're moving forward. That kind of authenticity and transparency um, buys unbelievable equity. Oh my God. Yeah. I'm so glad that you said that. It's true because um, I think I, I remember I went to a fight like a man conference one time and this is coming off the heels of, of I almost got uh, divorced. I've talked about this on the show before and um you know, that splat moment, those type of moments, like you said, can, can drive you to, um, um, a realization or self-awareness. And I got to be honest with you that, and I, I talk about this a lot in leadership. I don't think you can do it quite honestly without an element of, of spirituality. Um, I just, I don't think it's possible. I really don't think it is because the physical world is so, um, judgmental. And when you understand the power from a spiritual sense of that you are already perfect. You are already, the price has been paid. Mm-hmm. Um, it releases, I mean, you're the expert at this, but this is just, is this making sense? What I'm saying? It releases when you already know, when you stop the lie of that, that it's, you stop basing your self-worth on your performance and what other people think about you, which is the biggest lie that there is. And you already realize that you're already perfect um, the price has been paid. You can approach God boldly, no matter what mistake you've made. It it sends you in a whole different direction. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm sure I could articulate that better, but that- no, no, I get that. I mean, it it just makes sense. It's um, I think one of the main problems we have as leaders, and I, I say this is I struggle with this as much as anyone. And this right. is, this isn't just a church problem. This is a leadership problem in general. Yes. Is we want to be recognized so bad. Like we want somebody to recognize us like, Hey, that was a great idea. Or that was a, that was a phenomenal tweet. Or that was an awesome um, article you wrote on your website. Uh, we want to be recognized so bad because we find that value in recognition. The only problem with that is if that's where our identity is, Mm -hmm. then we're always going to be trying to outdo ourselves. And so if the next blog post or the next tweet doesn't get as many retweets or doesn't get as many hits or comments, then we're left feeling negatively about ourselves. When if we find our identity in Christ, the cool thing is 
Um, the Bible says he's the same yesterday and today and forever. And so his his opinion of us hadn't changed. And so that's a that's a cool place to be able to retreat back to in leadership when you feel like you're messing up. I think you're right. And it's right. knowing it's that, knowing that um, um how do I even say it? Having the, having uh, the I'm hearing an echo here. I'm a, hang on, I'll edit, edit this out. Are you hearing hearing an echo? Um I don't know if it's my headphones yeah. feeding back into the mic or not. No, there's not one now. I don't, I don't. There might have been, but I don't think I'm hearing one now. All right. So, what were we talking about? Um, oh, a place uh, to retreat to as a leader. Um, right. Going back. Yeah, I think knowing that um, having that element into my leadership kind of arsenal, if you will, um, allowed me to kind of take the focus off myself and truly. I mean, I still struggle with it. I mean, we still want the recognition. I mean, yeah. but but I think having that awareness of it at least puts me in a space where I can be um, or at least strive to be that selfless leader, which is so critical to, to, to quality leadership, but having that kind of selfless sacrificial mentality. Well, the, 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 the whole idea that, um, you got to prove yourself today. So you got to prove your worth. You got to prove your value. You got to prove this. And I, I made so many mistakes as a leader simply because I was trying to prove myself rather than actually do a really great job because, hey, man, let's be honest. In, in America today, if you will show up a little early, um, stay a little late and not steal while you're there, you'll probably be the CEO within five years. <laughs> yeah. That's the truth. I mean, it really is. What, how did it start for you from oral understanding – um, you say you came to Christ in 90. Um, at what point did you realize that leadership um, or that you had to start understanding leadership to become or run a successful church or be a successful man, a significant well, it, man, I guess I should say? It, well, it's hilarious because um, I just knew I was a troublemaker. Uh, <laughs> I, was, I was a troublemaker from the from day one in the church because I would have these ideas um, and, and I would walk into a situation and I'd be like, well, I think we could do this better. What if we did this, this and this? And the next thing I know, I'm in a deacon's meeting I and mean, they're telling me I can't do that or whatever. And so I really wrestled because I questioned why a lot. Um, I was skeptical. Um, I had these innovative ideas and I thought at the, I mean, I was told I was a sinner. I was a troublemaker <laughs> And I went to this conference, and it's a it's a unique story about how I got there. But I went to this conference with uh, Bill Hybels and John Maxwell. Yeah. They used to do a conference together in the in the '90s called "Leading and Communicating to Change Lives." And at that conference was the first time that I had ever heard anyone talk about leadership. I, at that conference was the first time I ever found out that leadership was a spiritual gift. Um, at that conference was the first time I really began to understand that um, leadership matters and it matters in the local church because let's face it at the end of the day, if the church is not growing, it's not, listen, it's not because we lack information because we have information. We have more information right now than we've ever had. It's not that we lack resources. It's got to be in, in every instance that I've seen and experienced. It's a leadership problem, period. So I, um, I bought John's book, uh, leading, uh, oh God, what was the the book? Uh, oh, it was, um, developing the leader within you. 
uh, and I bought that. I bought it, and then I signed up for. It. He used to do a Enjoy Life Club tape club. There was like a, he sent out like a leadership tape, um, like a cassette tape, and I I signed up for that. It was like 120 bucks a year, and uh, I just began to. I would listen to those tapes three or four times when I would get them, write them down, take notes. And I began developing myself. And then after that, after I found out leadership was a spiritual gift and there were books on it, uh, I've pretty much read uh, just just about everything I could get my hands on just because I'm always still trying to develop myself. Yeah, I'm the same way. I think once you just kind of it's weird, it's like once you find that one leadership book. And for me, it was Warren Bennis on leadership. Yeah. And you're like, what is this? You know, and um, and it's just been a journey. I mean, and I think it. And if I look at the last three years doing the show, I've even morphed over the last three years. But understanding it really boils down to adding value to people in a selfless, sacrificial way. And for me, that takes a tremendous amount of intentionality. I mean, at least it becomes a habit. But I think if you can get out of your own space, your own headspace, stop worrying about yourself and start trying to add value to everyone and everything. And then recognizing that every opportunity, every interaction is an opportunity for um development and growth, every opportunity, right? I mean, if it can be me and you in this podcast, it can be meeting the cashier. It can be with your spouse, your kids, obviously, but it's like it, the, the opportunities for leadership development and growth are endless. The curriculum for development and growth is the, the exact circumstance you find yourself in right now. You know, the most, the most difficult thing I think with leadership, I don't think, I don't think we as leaders lack information most of the time. Now, sometimes we don't have the correct information or whatever. Um, I think that the thing that, um, a lot, a lot of times, especially in church world is we lack the ability to really make a tough decision. Yeah. And at the end of the day, that's going to separate, um, those who, those who have versus those who do not have It's the willingness to make a tough decision. And in Christian circles, um, we love to just say we're praying about things because if we pray about it long enough, we think it'll go away. But it's kind of like the battery going off in your smoke detector in the middle of the night. If your battery in your smoke detector runs out, it's going to chirp and you can pray for the chirp to go away for the next 18 days. But until you actually get out of bed and go solve the problem, it's not going to go away. And I think that's that's easy to say as a leader, but that's probably one of the most difficult things. It's not just knowing the right decision, but it's then doing, executing that yeah, decision. I love that. You know, I'm uh, a, you know, a big uh, Walking Dead fan. I don't know if – I never came across it, but I binged watch it, and it's kind of a thing with one of me and my youngest daughter kind of – we're really into that show. And I don't know if you ever watched that show or not, but there I was – I did, and I had nightmares. Um, I Literally, <laughs> it freaked me out. Like I, I absolutely freaked out and had a nightmare one night that a zombie was trying to eat me. Yeah. And so after that, I couldn't do it. But yeah, I know what you're talking about. But there was – the last episode, there's um, a priest on there, one of the characters, and he's developed. And um, it was interesting in, this, in the the episode that just aired a couple weeks ago. They come up – the second part of the kind of second half season premiere. Mm -hmm. And anyway – as they always do, there's always something bad happening. Their kind of safe haven was getting overrun. And the priest who was a real big pacifist and he was always praying, he said, I don't, you know, I'm not in, I can't go out and kill these things and everything else. And he, finally he was in the church and they were praying and it was just a very bad situation. This place was overrun and, and the town people started stepping up and he said, you know, and there's are praying and he says, you know what? God has answered our prayers. 
he goes, God has given us the ability to defeat this by all of us coming together. You know, it was like the first moment where he kind of realized that we can sit here and pray on our knees all we want, but God has given us the answer. And he's told us to go take action was basically what he was saying. It was just, and I'm not doing the scene justice, but it was a very powerful moment where he was saying, you know, you know, God has answered the prayer. He's calling us to action is basically what he was saying. And I think if you're you're at sea and you're middle and you're in the middle of the sea and there's a hole in the boat, um, you can either pray about the hole or you can actually fix it. Right. Um, and I think now, now here's the thing. I think you can do both. I think for you can pray that God will give you strength and wisdom as you do it. But then one of the things I'm talking about um, uh, to our staff is not only are we willing to um, pray, but we're willing to plant, um, like plant seed. Mm-hmm. We're willing to plant. We're willing to plow, and we're willing to perspire. And when you get all of those together, that's what I mean. We we're gonna we're gonna plow the garden. We're gonna plant the seed. But man, we're gonna pray for God to make it rain. And when, when those things come together, I just think the results can be great. Well, that's why I think, and when I, it hit me, well, cause I think all great leaders and I think an element of leadership has to be at some point you have to, as I've said on the show many times that you have to suspend the belief on how things are going to get done. You just know they're going to get done And right. at the heart of any relationship with God. I don't care what you believe. And again, you know, you and I happen to believe uh, in Christ and we try to, and we follow what you try to follow him, but it goes with any religion that you believe or any part of spirituality. I don't care if you believe in the universe and hug trees. I don't care. At some point you have to surrender yourself to faith and you have to believe that it's going to get done. And I think if you look at, if you study leadership, all great leaders had that element and there's a tremendous amount of faith in that. I don't know how we're going to get through this. I just know we're going to. Well, when I, I mean, I think, and it's not because I'm a preacher and this is like the Jesus juke answer. I just think Jesus is the greatest leader ever. I mean, we've got four accounts of his life, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Um, He never wrote a book. He never ran for political office. He never traveled more than a hundred miles from his hometown. Yet today, here we are 2000 years later and there are cities um, named after him, cathedrals built to him. Um, And if, if you study the gospels, and I did. I remember the first time I did this through a leadership lens, like the decisions, because he only had three years where he eventually, essentially, ran the company, right? right, um, right. So, so the the decisions he made and the intentionality that um to to invest in people, to love people, to not use people, but to elevate people and empower people. I mean, we're sitting here talking about him today. And he was from a part of the world that nobody even really cared about 2,000 years ago. Right. That's a great, That's a great point. point. I think there is no better. I mean, if you if you study all of the kind of great, what we call level five leaders, those people that mm-hmm. had the intensity of will coupled with a sense of humility. I mean, Jesus was the ultimate example of that. Oh, absolutely. Hands down. Yeah. Hugely intense. Um, at the same time, humble, but at the same time, if he needed to take action, he took action, you know? Yeah. Yeah. He made a whip and cleared the temple. That's right. a guy. I'll follow that guy. Right. Like that, that, that guy's awesome. Yeah. He's bad. I'll follow him. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, most of the depictions of Jesus, he's got a real sad face and his hair's feathered and he's got holding a lamb and looks like he needs a hug. And <laughs> right. uh, when you read the Bible, that's not the man that uh, you see. I mean, he walked everywhere. He was a carpenter. He was strong, mm-hmm. uh, 
that, yeah, so he's definitely, I think he's a leader worth following. He's changed my life. Yeah, he's changed mine too, and it's still a work in process, but I think, uh, um, yeah, I don't even, let's talk about your book because, you know, tell me about the title of the book and what prompted you to um, um, write it, first of all. Well, I'm super excited about the book um, because it's it's not – the book is something that every leader, no matter what level you are in an organization, um, you, even if you're just the leader in your home, you can apply the principles in the book. Um, it came from me reading – I was reading through the um, one of the letters that the Apostle Paul wrote, and he wrote this very popular passage. Even, even some of the non-Christian – um, listeners might recognize the first Corinthians 13 where Paul says things like love is patient. Right. Love is kind. Love does not envy. Love it does not boast love. It, and he defines love. And so um, for years, that's the passage of scripture that I would always use when I would preach about love or, you know, you're doing a wedding for somebody. So you throw first Corinthians 13 in there. But one day it hit me, um, you know, Corinthians, was not the, the chapters I don't think were put in until the 11th century and maybe the verses in the 14th century. I think I have that right. <clears throat> but um, so Corinthians was originally written as one document, one, one, one letter. It's like just a big blog post, if you will. Right. Um, so Paul, it wasn't like he was writing. And, and in chapter 12, he's writing about the theme of leadership. And in chapter 14, he's writing about the theme of leadership. And it's almost like he paused and said, you know what? One day evangelicals are going to get married. I need to write some love verses for them. So he wrote 1 Corinthians 13 real quick and then kept writing about leadership. And it hit me that Paul's writing about leadership in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14. 1 Corinthians 13 is the glue that holds it together. And so if you'll go through that passage and everywhere you see the word love, replace it with leadership. So leadership is patient. Leadership is kind. Leadership does not envy. Leadership does not boast. And so those are the qualities of leadership that I wrote about. And um, and at the end of every chapter, there's there's self-assessment questions, and then there's questions you can ask your team to talk about. Um, and I, I'm, I'm just super excited about it because it's helped me hone in on my own leadership abilities and show me where I'm good and show me where I've got a lot of room to improve. Yeah, I love the genesis of that, uh, where it started that. Um I remember that uh, passage from First Corinthians was what set me on the path towards starting to recover my marriage, mm. um, and that is—I mean, it really was. I mean, it, it set the foundation. And I love how you turned that in from a leader because you know it is certainly can be a guide towards leadership. Everything encapsulated in that can make you be a better leader. I mean, it really kind of encapsulates everything that is well, what I believe about leadership anyway. Well, you can go you can go through those qualities listed in First Corinthians chapter thirteen verses four through seven, and doesn't really matter where you stand in regards to a relationship with God. If if somebody's got the qualities listed in that text, then I'm going to follow them. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm going to have their back, and I know they're going to have my back. And at the end of the day, those are those are qualities that just, I mean they make just really great human beings in general. But I mean, if we're leaders and we can develop those, continue to develop those qualities, um, everybody around us gets better. I love it. I love it. How's the response been? So far it's been, it's been pretty overwhelming in in a good way. 
um, Faith Box, which is an organization uh, um, started by a guy named Willie about a year ago. It's growing. They uh, they found out about the book, and, and so they bought a lot of copies, and then it's released on um, Amazon. It's released, and so far, I think um, – it's definitely on pace to outsell anything I've ever written. I mean, it's it's really, really taken off, and it seems to be resonating with a lot of people, um, especially the the what I, what you'd call the the bit well the business sector. There's a lot of business leaders that are grabbing a hold of this and saying, "Hey, I might not believe in the whole God, Jesus, church thing, but if it's a book about leadership, I'll give it a shot." And they're they're going, "Wow, this is I mean this this actually makes sense." Um, because it's a, it's written from a biblical perspective, but it's also a non, you know, I didn't, I didn't write it to try to beat people up. In fact, most of the stories are where I've screwed something up. So what well, the heart of all great leadership is love. I mean, that, I mean, you, if right. you strip it all away, no matter what you're trying to lead, um, at the heart of it is love. And that's why using first Corinthians as a basis of that is, um, it's pretty, pretty cool. I think that, and, and if you do focus on love, you, I mean, I talk about the Marine Corps a lot of the people have heard me talk about it on the show. It is it from a leadership perspective, it was one of the most loving organizations I ever worked with. Because at the heart of it, it was all about sacrifice and taking care of the of those you're accountable for. And, but, and Yeah, ahead. that's that's one of those things where if you if you love people, then you'll take care of them. But if you don't love people, you'll you'll manipulate and use them. And those are not the leaders that we ultimately wind up respecting and following. They can produce incredible results short term, but the long-term wake of the damage of their leadership, think about this. Um, Hitler was an effective leader. Right. I mean, he, he, he had a plan and he set out to follow that plan. Um, and he was able to impact a lot of people. That's not the leader I want to be like. Mm-hmm. There, there's nothing about him now because people say, well, leadership is vision and leadership is power. Well, yeah, um, it is. But then look at the wake of his leadership. Yeah. I mean, it cost millions of people their lives. And so there's got, if you want to be a leader, I think that really does make a significant lasting impact. Um, it's got to be motivated, I feel like, with a love for God and a love for others. I think you're right. I don't think you can do it any other way. It's a great example. It's an extreme example, and, and we've talked about this on the show before, but it's a perfect example because it's not sustainable. It's not sustainable if your motives are in the wrong place. If the motives are love, then it's sustainable eternally. Eternally. Well, yeah. Yeah. So I just I just watched this ABC show. Um, I think it was like a miniseries or something on uh, Bernie Madoff. Um, and I don't know if you've seen that, but I mean, everybody knows Bernie Madoff. Right. I mean, he ran the biggest Ponzi scheme in the history. I mean, and just to kind of, you know, I don't know, you don't know how much of the story is true, how much of the story is not true. But at the end of the day, um, he wasn't motivated by a love for people. And as a result, um, billions of dollars were lost because one guy was motivated by the wrong thing. And so that's why those that's why that leadership motivation really does matter. You talked a little bit in the beginning about the millennials and you've ta- I've seen some of your blog posts and 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 um, you got a free guide on your website where you know some of the things that you can um 
particularly for people that are under 30. What is the difference about leading millennials these days? I hate to label people or label groups, but there is, it comes up a lot on this show. Mm-hmm. What's the difference? I mean, why do we got to treat millennials different than everybody else? Here's here's the thing about millennials, and I've heard a lot, and you have too, of just negative stuff about them. Um, I love them. I think they're awesome. I don't believe all the negative garbage out there about them because we've got um, we we uh, there's more of them on our staff than there are of me. I mean, we hire young, and we hire young on purpose. Um, and so I think the thing, I think the most difficult thing for millennials to understand is they need to value the process over progress. Um, because at, at 22, 23, 24, 25 years old, um, do they have great ideas? Yes. Are they innovative ideas? Yes. Do they need to be executed? Yes. But it takes time to develop as a leader and it takes time to, to um, gain influence with people. And so one of the things that I get asked in leadership circles a lot is what would you say to leaders under 30? So I, one day in a coffee shop, I sat down on a computer and I wrote out what I would say to leaders under 30 and I put it in, it's a free ebook and it's just at my website, perrynoble.com. And when I say free, I mean free, there's not an upsell or anything like that. It's legitimately a free ebook on what I would say to leaders under 30. And so if you're a leader under 30, or if you lead leaders under 30, I think it's an excellent resource. It's an excellent resource just to, and I did it just because I wanted to add value to, to people, period. I love what you said about how um, you're positive about them. I, I When I started this show, um, I've, you know, three and a half years into this, I have gained that same perspective. I've talked to a lot of millennials, particularly entrepreneurs, and, um, you know, I'm 47 and I hear a lot of people older, my age and older are saying, oh, they just, they want things now, which is probably true. They have no they have expectations, but at the positive side, I look at their generation as opposed to the Gen X one or even the baby boomers where, um, there's a lot of, particularly compared to the Gen X ones, there's one from an entrepreneurial sense, they're more idealistic, I guess. Anyway, they want to create things that have significant meaning. And when I look at when I was 20 to 30, I was less concerned about making meaning. I was more interested in making money. Um, And I guess if I could label a generation, it seemed like their generation is less, is more about making meaning. Whereas the Gen Xers weren't. And I hate to, to stereotype blanket label. But I mean, if, if I had to, to do it, that's how I would do it. That's, per, that's perfect. It, they, they're the greatest cause driven generation yeah, in the world. Yeah. And, um, they're just looking for a great cause and, and people go, people say, well, they just want things now. Well, think about it for just a second, Richard. That's the, okay. So you're, you said you're 47 years old. Yeah. So you grew up more than likely in a home and your first television did not have a remote control. Nope. Right. Nope. Um, you you probably still remember the first time you saw a car phone and you thought, oh, my gosh, yeah. how in the world? Then the, you remember dial-up internet, yep. right? And then somebody would get on the phone and it would knock you off the internet. Yep. Um, now I can have anything in the world. I got access to anything in the world um, on an app on my telephone. I don't have to call my bank anymore. I don't have to go to a rental car company anymore. I can do it all on an app on my phone. So they've, we've raised these millennials 
on you can have what you want and you can have it now. And then when they get in leadership and they they want something and they want it now, we get mad at them for actually trying to live out the environment that we raised them in. Right. And so we've got to be able to meet them there and explain to them, no, things really are a process and, um, and walk patiently through them. Because I've discovered that if you can get millennials rallied around the why, the cause behind what you're doing, um, they're some of the greatest, hardest working, most effective people on the planet. I agree with you 100%. And I think a lot of times it, it struck me, there was me and another um – Guy was in the Marine Corps with me, and we were talking about this, and we gave presentations at colleges to millennials. And a lot of people would come up to us, and we'd say, oh, my gosh, I never heard anybody talk about leadership in that way. And so there's such a great opportunity because I think the thing that they do have that, again, more than what we had in the Gen X side was this hunger, if you will. And I appreciate that. There's, there's an initiative and hunger. And, in fact, I would rather yes. – Rain somebody. I would rather have a group of folks I would had to rein in than try to kick somebody in the butt and get going. And, oh my gosh! And, yes, and that's what I appreciate. All the millennials that I've been surrounded by and have learned from, um, particularly from the entrepreneurial sense. But they're hungry to understand what leadership is, and I think if they could just couple that that hunger with, like you said, that patience or maybe that humility, um, man, then you start to have a very powerful combination. Because if you can get somebody who's has a tremendous intensity of will. And then you couple that with humility. Then you've got that Jesus like leader we were talking about. Well, I've had, I've had four requests today, today from people under the age of 25 to be able to sit down and talk about leadership. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and I know all of these guys personally, and, and I've, I've said, yes, I'm going to sit down and chat with them. Um, but I gave, I gave them all an assignment first. I'm like, you got to go read my free ebook. Um, you at least got to read the free ebook and, and come ready with questions. And I know that my time invested with these four young men in particular, because I know them and I know them well, known them for years. Um, they're going to show up hungry, ready to learn. Um, and I'm going to learn a lot from the questions they ask. Yeah. Yeah. Well, man, I just love what you're doing. I, I love um, the fact that you're passionate about leadership. I love your authenticity. I love your transparency. There's so much we could talk about. I'd love to have you back on the show. Um, the book is the most excellent way to lead, discover the heart of great leadership. And I love how the cover of your book has all the arrows and it points to the shape of a heart. Yeah. And you, you're absolutely right. I mean, it is all about love. And I don't care how rough and tumble or how cutthroat you think leadership is. At the end of the day, effective, sustainable leadership at its basis, at its core is about love simple as that and if you can my opinion if you can wrap um uh, spirituality or walk with god or walk with jesus around it it just makes for me it makes things that much more clear completely agree how can people get in touch with you how can they interact with you and engage with you more um perrynoble.com is is my website it's where all my blogs and uh materials and stuff like that the most excellent way to lead.com is is there as well. That's really long though. So perrynoble.com, there's and we I think we got it. Do we have a link on perrynoble.com? Yeah. Yep. And so isn't that great? I didn't even know that. Um <laughs> but but you know why? Because I empower some really great leaders and they go make that stuff happen. Um and so yeah, perrynoble.com is the best way. Newspring.cc is our church website. Um, we're in South Carolina. We currently have 17 locations in South Carolina. 
So um, if you're ever interested or in South Carolina, there's probably a, a campus near you and you can pop in and hang out with us. We'd love to have any of the listeners um, listening to this podcast show up. It'd be an honor. Well, Perry, again, you're, you're one of the great uh, success stories out there from from doing innovative things, not only from a church standpoint, but I love, again, your passion, your transparency, your authenticity when it comes to leadership and serving others. You got to always have a welcome home here at Dose of Leadership. I hope uh, this is the beginning of a long relationship with you. Yes, sir. Well, I've listened to the podcast. I mean, I'm a, I'm a listener, and so uh, getting asked to come on the podcast was, like I said, an incredible honor for me. And you guys keep up the good work there at Dose of Leadership. Thank you, sir. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you. Richard invites you to become a part of the Dose of Leadership community. Visit doseofleadership.com and sign up to receive his free Common Sense Leadership ebook, a guide that highlights how all of us can learn to become calm, confident, consistent, and courageous in all aspects of our lives. Richard is also available as a speaker for your next event. Richard specializes in practical leadership and change management. He has a philosophy of inspiring everyone to think and act like a leader, which is based on timeless natural principles and common sense. You can get more info by visiting doseofleadership.com.